Hey, I'm Gina. And I'm Tara. This podcast is a view into our lives as moms, social entrepreneurs, and best friends who hold nothing back. We talk about all the things our world has tried to keep silent. Things like our bodies. And all the stages and phases we go through. Entrepreneurship, parenting. And how it all intersects with life. Each podcast, we catch up with each other, and then we interview someone who pushes us to learn something new. Today on Born Into This, we'll be talking to Stephanie Mitchell, a certified nurse midwife and founder of Birth Sanctuary Gainesville. Stay tuned. Did you just use my toothbrush? (laughs) (laughs) I did. I did. I think that's actually the first time we've done that or I've done that in 15 years. Even like on vacations and stuff. Maybe unconsciously I've done it, but this time it was very conscious. I, oh, you did it on purpose. Well, I didn't realize it until it was in my mouth. Oh, <laughs> I love when that happens. <laughs> How did this happen? How did you get here? I don't know, but we are another step in our relationship now. I've been waiting for years. I'm so excited. <laughs> what did you feel? Were you like, oh my God, this well, is gross. I know. I actually. And first it- of all, explain to the people why you're brushing your teeth at work. Yeah, that's actually... Yeah. Well, first I put it on. I didn't realize until like it was in my mouth and on my tooth. And I was like, oh, my God, this is Tara's toothbrush. We're finally here. Okay, But we brush our teeth at the office. We don't do it at home. Like for me, I wake up, I work a little bit at home. Kids get up and then I go into like mother kid mode where feeding all my little chickens, getting them dressed, doing our morning routine. I get in the shower I get dressed. I'm still drinking my coffee at this point. So Cold or is it still hot? Right now it's still hot. Okay. I'm about to switch to iced coffee when the weather turns. No, I meant like is it new and fresh <laughs> and perfect or no. is it old no. and already cold and you're just drinking it because you're a mom and it's yeah. caffeine? No, it was, it's now cold at this point. Right. By the time I get into the shower, it's it's cold, which is like that's my, my signal, right? It's time to get in the shower. Your coffee's cold. Time to get ready and go. And so I do. And then I get out, get dressed, and then I literally run out the door to get to the office. And I get here, like I try to get here around 7.38, um, which we do really good in the morning. We like being here early in the morning. But that's I, 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 that's when I brush my teeth, either when you and I are sitting close together to do a meeting. Like a first meeting. Yeah. Or I wait to have my second cup of coffee here at the office. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's after that I brush my teeth. Yeah. So. I think I do about the same thing. Um, I have my grandmother when I was very young said, don't ever brush your teeth before coffee. <laughs> and I took that very seriously. And I understand why, cause it just ruins the taste and who has energy to brush their teeth before they've actually had a cup of coffee. Not me. So yeah, that works. Um, I used to do that. I, I, I well, you know that for years I would wake up, pee, brush my teeth and then have coffee. But now the last few months I was there to tell you, you were doing it all wrong. I was doing it wrong. And this office has really switched the game for me because we get here, I would say the office and COVID, like we, I tried to get here so early because during the pandemic, my childcare ends earlier. Right. So like the earlier I start the day, the more work time I can get in there. I find it funny for myself that like, even if I'm just having a meeting with someone on Zoom and I haven't brushed my teeth yet, I will get up and brush my teeth because I feel like... I need to be fresh yeah. for a meeting. You're not ready for the day yet. They're not going to smell my breath, though. They wouldn't know. But 
be honest, how many days have you forgotten to brush your teeth? I have. Because of the pandemic. I'm okay with that. <laughs> there are days where I've been home and last year I'm like, oh, yeah, it didn't happen again. I yeah. forgot to brush my teeth. Dr. Stephanie Mitchell is a certified nurse midwife, the founder of Birth Sanctuary Gainesville in Gainesville, Alabama, and received her postgraduate DNP or Doctor of Nursing practice from Frontier Nursing University, where her capstone was intermittent auscultation as the standard of care for low-risk people in labor. Prior to the development of Birth Sanctuary Gainesville, Stephanie worked in Boston, Massachusetts and Providence, Rhode Island in a full-scope collaborative OBGYN midwifery and academic practices. Dr. Mitchell is credited with the development and implementation of an intermittent auscultation checklist to assist hospitals in identifying low-risk laboring individuals. She has past experience working as a labor and delivery nurse and pediatric nurse. In her spare time, you can find Stephanie vlogging, blogging, and outside of a pandemic, traveling near and far to expand her zest for unique food experiences. You may also find Stephanie concocting ways to keep her bathroom clean, as she is an avid collector of cleaning supplies, to which she manages to keep her four children and her husband from living in squalor. So, Stephanie... I just want to say that, first of all, I'm like the fan here. I listen to you <laughs> religiously. I'm a, I'm a fan, too. She's just really good on social media. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, but um, oh, I, I, control. <laughs> I'm, re- <laughs> I'm really excited to have you because yeah. I listen to you religiously. Um, I think I learn something every time I hear you speak, and I'm just really moved by your work. So thanks so much for coming and talking with us today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. I thought I was going to have to be like, so look, let me tell you a little bit about me, but okay. I feel like, no, no, no. Date, but you already done did the backstory. I'm a black square. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I will say like for the first several weeks that I was watching Sunday cervix, which is how I first found you. Actually, I think I first found you because you were speaking at Born Into This. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when I started like just getting into the rhythm of Sunday cervix, it took me a long time to figure that out. I know <laughs> there are probably people who like get it a lot faster than me, but I'm a middle-aged mother of three and a white woman and I'm trying really hard, right? But I was like, am I green or black or I don't know. <laughs> That's so good because people have really terrible like misconceptions about mm-hmm. what that even means. And, you know, I, I will dive into it if you want me to I would love yeah, for you to explain it. Yeah, let's do it because some people might be listening that are like, what the hell are they talking about? What do you mean squares? So, you know, I uh, just on the Instagram streets, which I use generally as like my platform for education, free education anyway. Um, uh, you know, I find that it's the best way to interact with people that want to speak with me and that I want to interact with. It's like a free space. Like you choose to come in and, you know, and take up of our, you know, virtual world and space. And there's like no way to really differentiate like who these like internet entities and bodies are, but I know they're human beings. I know they're out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And there really wasn't a way to like truly differentiate these people And so um, in June of 2020, um, after the murder of George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis, um, there came an occasion where in, um, you know, where people were using the Internet 
to post a black square to signify either their solidarity or their stance of education in a space of wanting to learn or um, as a moment of reflection of being quiet. And, and the, and the message behind the black square was really cute, but I feel like it got diluted somewhere along the line and people mm-hmm. thought like, yeah, that's it. I done did the thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I'm done. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it became a confusing place. Like, who are you? What do you stand for? What are you doing in this world? You know? And so, you know, it was maybe a few days after that, I caused some PTSD and I've decided to post a green square. Like, no, let's take a moment here. And I really want to just ask you, what the fuck are you even doing here? Can I say that here? Fuck. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. And, and it's like, who the fuck are y'all? You know what I'm saying? Like, here I am every day and, you know, walking my experiences. And it just so happens my experiences for the most part, um, you know, were as a medical industrial complex midwife. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, sharing these very important, intimate moments of my walked existence while trying to share information about how to traverse the, you know, the medical industrial complex as a human and some of the things that I've experienced. I'm opening up this shit to the world. Right. And and I wanted to be like, no, I really actually need to know who you are. I actually need to know who you who you are. And, and, you know, it could have been like, oh, why don't you do a private page? No. I'm not doing a private page because I do believe the shit that I'm saying is important. I believe people need to hear it. Um, but I also believe there has to be some sort of like life accountability beyond uh, posting a meaningless black square or green square or whatever. So anyway, the moral of the story is um, I and part of, you know, just how I communicate and educate and just like talk to the people. I had always been hosting live spaces on Instagram. Um, And these conversations uh, originated, you know, upon leaving the medical industrial complex and sort of digesting some of the things that I had seen there and had experienced there, along with some of the sprinkling of my own walked existence. And during these, you know, Instagram lives, it was like, yep, I see the Instagram handle name, but I also know that these people are accountable in this space. They have checked in and they've clarified why they're there, what they're doing with their walked existence as they taking in, you know, the knowledge of, of, you know, the reproductive justice pursuits that, that I'm talking about. So, um, Mm -hmm. that sort of became like a kind of check-in process of like green square means kind of like, you know, I'm just got here to the conversation. I'm learning, I'm trying to figure shit out. You know what I mean? And, and black square was for the people who decided that, you know, the space was tolerable for them. Um, you know, that they came and didn't serve any ill intention and, and they repetitively came to the space to learn and to be mutually edified. And that was the origination of the black square, green square. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I had no idea what the inspiration behind it was. Um, That's really interesting. And tell me about the pushback. You said sometimes like for me, it just took me a while to like I wanted to to be involved. And so I was like, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. I didn't know how to get promoted to a black square. (laughs) (laughs) But what's the pushback about? Well, it's funny you should say, because, you know, if you hang around long enough, um, you'll understand the intention of the space and the things that are important. Because right now we have, um, you know, a reproductive and maternal medicine nightmare that is happening mm-hmm. and has been happening for the greater part of the decade, but we've certainly reached a precipice. And mm-hmm. um, and so, like, talking about these things is, is really important. And, um, and 
and sometimes the things that I say can be strike a nerve in people. They can get uncomfortable because uh, the root of the maternal mortality, that's what they call it, the maternal mortality crisis in this country, the root of it, um, as black women are disproportionately affected, you know, has uh, deep roots uh, in racism and white yeah, supremacy yeah. and the way that the institution of the industrialization of medicine was built. And frankly, the conversations are uncomfortable, frankly. Uh, yeah, okay? I mean, if Absolutely. you're doing it right, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, right? totally, that's, totally. That's like, how you make change. Yeah, ain't nobody sitting around like, oh, this is just easy shit to talk about. And so yep. sometimes, you know, uh, that's just what it is. And so uh, a little background just for the people who may not be aware or don't know anything about this, but um, I'm a certified nurse midwife and uh, I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I spent the greater part of my, um, you know, adult working life as a labor and delivery nurse at a hospital in Boston. And that was a major teaching facility um, located in like the urban community and um, after some time I became a midwife and functioned in medical industrial complexes as well. And due to, you know, um, my, hu my husband's business and for a plethora of other reasons, we relocated from Boston, Massachusetts to Gainesville, Alabama. Now in doing such, um, I've remained the same person that I've always been unabashedly, you know, a little coarse, uh, you know, a little intolerable for a lot of people, you know, but I've just consistently just been my black ass self. And in making this transition, um, as I've continued to pursue uh, the things that I'm pursuing in midwifery, which namely is um, providing care for people who desire out of hospital birth and labor and birth experiences and prenatal care, um, I, I've come to the attention of people in the area, in the state of Alabama, who, you know, find maybe my words to be so intolerable that they have actually taken a step to forge complaints against me to the Alabama Board of Nursing. And mm. namely, one of the main co complaints was about this check-in system, the green square, right. black square. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about, well, what does that mean? And in the fraudulent complaint, they forged that, uh, you know, they... Um, reported that it was a racist check-in system and, and those types of things. But, you know, for those who are around long enough, who would bother to listen to my voice and, you know, choose to be around, should you understand black square, green square, that means that you've been around long enough to understand the origins. And yeah. so that's kind of, you know, it's nice to kind of like clear that up and make it, you know, make it obvious as to what the space is and what, what the intentions are. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is obvious. I mean, you know, I say, um, that it took me a while. It did. I'm not, you know, that's, that's the truth, <laughs> but I never was offended. And so I, I think it's great. I think not only you, but everyone else there that's holding you up needs to know too, like just who's in the room. Yeah. Um, we do that at events, right? You look around, you see who's there, you know um, that there is allyship and then there's not. And um, it's important to know who, who the audience is and who you're speaking to. And yeah. so I understand the point. And I think it's also like I remember when I started watching it and like, again, taking a couple of weeks to like hear those things, think about what they represent. It's just sitting in that space of curiosity and not trying to like understand 
you know, and again, like just kind of bulldoze your way in there. It's like you're just sitting in that constant place of learning and in curiosity. And it's like it just keeps your mind open. Um, so I, I appreciate that about, you know, your your live Instagram Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's good. Because I'm always like, it's it's also a wonderful place to build community. And I always yeah. encourage people like, hey, if you so, feel so inclined, drop your location or reach out to the mm -hmm. other people. Because I guarantee you, if you're sitting in a room with the shit I'm talking about for an hour and taking in the comments and interacting, I guarantee you people are in that room. Your people are in that room. Mm -hmm. The people who who um, understand the plight for reproductive justice or, you know, whatever the case may be, they're in there. So like, like the great thing about the internet these days and age is like there's no bounds to the connections that you can make. It's it's right. it's back in, you know, I'm gonna be like back in the days, those was, was my days. <laughs> those are my days. Mm -hmm. Um, your your impact was only as great as your social circle. You know what I mean? Beyond like your immediate family members, you could it was hard, it was very difficult. But I like to say they fucked around and gave us the internet, and we can use those tools to our benefit. And I do that. I encourage everybody to do that. Like virtual world is right up my alley. Like I don't even, you know, this is the right thing. You meet the people you're supposed to be in, in paths and in sync with, and together you will build that net of, of community. So that's the pay, that's the part about Sunday cervix. And like, you know, this whole like internet, like kind of community is, is the community piece of it. We're not out here floating on this globe to try and like do all the shit by ourselves. And nobody can do no. that. You know what I mean? No, that was yeah. what was so interesting too. Like last year when the world shut in, right. And everyone was like in their homes and they're not getting that social experience anymore in person when the pandemic set in, everyone turned to social media. And I think that is why we saw great waves and shifts happening last May it was just, it was so like, it was an indication that everyone was going to this place now for that social connection, that interhuman connection. I have a lot of um, curiosity around, you do this every Sunday. You have a great presence on Instagram, like, and you- You're raising tons of money. Tons of money for well, this person. I guess I shouldn't say tons. That's, a, that's for you to say, right? <laughs> You're probably like, there's never enough, but you've been- I mean, <laughs> I think you've been really successful. Do you feel like you have at this? I, I have. There's a lot of there's a huge like learning curve to being a, like an independent like uh, fundraiser that you're the sole person responsible for driving yeah. people's interest to give a fuck. Like mm -hmm. on days where I feel like you, I don't have the capacity to curate internet education or commentary or comedy fucking even, right? Like yeah, I don't 100%. have the capacity. I know that if I'm not out there literally banging the proverbial pots and pans and passing around my panhandling skills on the internet, I know that the work, it, it, you know, it, it comes to a dragging standstill and I'm my biggest, mm -hmm. worst critic. I always feel like, keep going, keep going, keep going. You yeah. know, but there's a lot of things to be learned about trying to independently raise money from a grassroots effort when you have no like real team other than the people who have put themselves in the place to offer their leverage in place of right. support. So I'll say that like, yeah, it's a great job, but this shit is wild and it shouldn't be like this. Like, it's unbelievable right. that I that anybody should even have to do this. Like th there should be birth centers on the every corner available wow. for people who want to do it, who 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 want to access that level of care. 
That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the systems are in place, though, to completely block that from happening. And I've been a doula since 1999. <laughs> in the 90s. Look at you. Been around a long time. <laughs> Even possible, friend. Okay, come through genetic. Uh huh. Seriously, right? Yeah. This is a chemical peel. <laughs> Send the esthetician, friend. And um, you know, I started in Brooklyn forever ago. Worked the streets of Philly forever ago. Like volunteered all the time. Finally, built you know a business and started teaching, but. Weird. I've I've been a part of trying to get so many birth centers up and mm-hmm. running, and it's damn near impossible. Yes, it yes. takes blood, sweat, and tears. And quite frankly, you're the person that I believe can do it. Yeah. So I really yeah. can say that 100. percent So tell us about your vision for the birth center in Alabama and what it looks like when it's done. Well, I mean, physically. From a physical standpoint, the structure itself, I, I see two beautiful birthing, labor and birth suites, you know, that mm-hmm. people can feel free to move about and, you know, utilize the space as they would in their own home. So freedom of movement, you know, the premise of a birth center, really, it, a freestanding birth center, because I want to differentiate. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Um, you know, the premise of it is to mimic that home-like environment. Our bodies are meant to function in these spaces at optimal performances when we are in a space of of physiologic safety and comfort. It's Maslow's hierarchy of need. That's the foundation of everything. So I envision a safe space, you know, where you can utilize hydrotherapy, where your family, should you choose to have them or uh, members of your birth team, should they, you know, want to accompany you, that there's space for them to be around, but there's also space for them to not be around and allow you that space of privacy. So I've taken a lot of concern and consideration based on my experiences in what makes an optimal birth experience and in designing what I'd like the labor and birth suites to, to look like. Um, you know, uh, I envision also um, comprehensive prenatal care. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd like that to mimic optimal care for people when they're pregnant. Things such as acupuncture or chiropractor or, you know, massage therapy, you know, wellness, general wellness. Yeah. That is missing from prenatal care. Um, And the other thing from like the physical structure that is super important to me is the education and library area, because I believe and I know to be true that prenatal education is absolutely completely tied into the outcomes that we that we have Mm -hmm. and are experiencing. So for people who are choosing out of hospital birth spaces and even those who are navigating medical industrial complexes due to accessibility or other issues that they are able to do that um, safely. The present system and the way that it's set up for industrialized medicine doesn't allow for the type of comprehensive education that needs to happen. And so for a physical standpoint, that was something that was important to build into the structure of birth sanctuary Gainesville. And then the last and not last, but the final thing that I'll mention, which is of utmost priority in the physical structure, is the presence of a private suite for midwifery students. Okay, Mm. And I say this because one of the largest barriers for midwives um, is during this apprenticeship and learning phase of their education. 
it is where we lose a lot of students, particularly BIPOC midwifery students. And this is important given that they are the solution to the disparities we're facing. And this space that has been designated for our future learners is so that we can overcome the barriers of them trying to find um, accessible housing during their education. It's so that they can have a private area and be able to be on site and available for our birthers and our families because we were in rural Alabama. So that is super important to me and um, super important to the mission of Birth Sanctuary Gainesville. So those are some of the things from like the physical structure standpoint that I'm looking to encompass. There's a whole lot of like other things, but like from the physical standpoint. That- right. I love the education piece. I feel like my dream would be that, you know, birthing people would be learning about their bodies from the time they were like toddlers and we wouldn't have to be teaching anyone who's pregnant about their body and what's happening. But I digress. Like that's not happening right now. So I, I think. you imagine, you know. I do. I imagine it every day, Stephanie. That's why I do the work I do. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Jamie for a second? Oh, yes. I have two Jamie's. So I've got my husband, Jamie. Oh, you do? I do. But I know you're not talking about the second Jamie. But just to clarify that my second daughter is Jamie also because I'm okay. a creative. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, everyone's in love with your husband. How does that feel? Are they? I'm pretty- <laughs> oh, my goodness. For real. I'm going to. I'm going to let him know. Uh, you know, you know, the excitement that happens when Jamie like steps up. I know you screamed at him the other night because he was, you know, gardening when he should not have been. So I hope he's recovered from that. But he was mad. He was mad. He's like <laughs> yelling at me in front of my doulas. I'm like, well, you know, Jamie and I have been together for over 20 years and shit. You know, as I said, I invite y'all to my space every week. You know what I mean? This is my free black home. And sometimes your husband does some shit that you don't, you know, is you get a little irritated about. And guess what? I know y'all are uh, black squares. I know y'all coming through. It's like, this is the situation. So (laughs) that's what it is. Yeah. Other than that, he's a gem. He's a gem. He supported my, my entire, you know, nursing career. He's a, you know, stellar father. He's an amazing provider. He believes in Birth Sanctuary Gainesville and our mission as our most steadfast supporter. Um, yeah, Jamie loves the doulas because, you know, if you're if you're married to someone who lives and breathes birth work, believe me, we've dissected and had conversation ad nauseum about all of these things. And that's why it's like Jamie loves the doulas. That's like cute and everything else. But like he understands This shit is so critical. It is so critical to intersect um, the systems that we have in place right now. And one of the key ways of intersecting that is um, the presence of doulas or one-on-one labor support. So that's Jamie Mm -hmm. for you. I love love it. it. I mean, and I think it's, it's like what you said, it's critical to have that in the, in, you know, your family ecosystem. And that's what comes up for me when I'm like seeing you every Sunday and your presence, you know, out there on the internet streets, as you call it. It's like, how do you pull that off with four kids, a family, raising all this money? Like, I mean, and you, you, you were just talking about how there are days where you're like, you don't want to do it, but you rally and you do it. Like, I want to know how you rally and I want to know, like, how you pull it off because it's really impressive. <laughs> really? I was just so, like, surprised that that that's surprising. But that's, um, you know, that's interesting you say that. I want to say that. Um, one of the things in part of my life path, 
was becoming a mother when I was 16. Okay. Mm. And something about for those who have, you know, carried pregnancies to term and, and, and chosen pregnancy at whatever stage you are in life, that shit shifts something in you. Okay. 100%. And, and like to have to function in the place of a mother, you know, and go through like a lot of other things that, you know, in, in the foundation of like, motherhood, including being a teenager and existing in the ethos that you have, there's some shit that is lit in you that is preservation or fucking bust. Okay. It is about survival skills on a million thousand that I can't even begin to break down for y'all. Um, Mm -hmm. that's why I think you guys sent me like a little thing before. And you talked about like, um, three words that you were born into. And that yeah. just struck something inside of me because I was like, born into what? What was I born into? Mm-hmm. Like on a metaphysical level, on a spiritual level, or like on a literal level? And on a literal level, the ways, the words that I sent to you guys was trauma, mm-hmm. abuse, and failed systems. And failed systems, that don't count because that's like one word, right? <laughs> it works, yeah. But I say that to say that Unfortunately, those were the the foundations of the things that I was born into. And you have the option in those situations. You have an option to succumb to those those um, beginning factors or you flip some shit into high gear and you learn how to swim fucking quickly. And I chose Mm -hmm. to swim quickly. And then I've just never stopped because I couldn't, you know. So I guess like how I I don't know what to say, like because it's just always been that that at that uh, quicker pace, you know, while, uh, while other people out here, like, you know, going to clubs and, or doing all whatever else, I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, keep diapers on my baby, you know, Uh how to stay out of the, you know, the streets to, or to stop, you know, people from stealing my baby's, um, food at the shelter, like going through real shit, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's why. And so that's all I can say to that. (laughs) I think motherhood flips everything upside down, right? And changes you from the inside out, literally. Mm-hmm. And um, nothing is ever the same. And I, I wish our culture would understand that. It's like, no one's getting back to anything, no. let alone a body, right? Like, that's what you hear all the time. Like, no, we're starting over and things are different. And that means something <laughs> different for every every person and every family. Um, thank you then for sharing that with mm-hmm. us. Are you going to keep fundraising after you hit your goal? Well, you know, one of the lovely things would be when our um, systems of, of, of medicine and insurance would make it so that people are compensated appropriately um, for the care that they're provided, other than providing as providers, and, and so that midwifery services are covered that I mean, right now in Alabama, we're fighting so many legislative battles, like, like, just in terms of like being able to access care, right? That mm-hmm. I foresee being a having to raise money to be able to provide care to people who can't, you know, otherwise be able to access it. So I think mm-hmm. that it'll end up shifting towards something that is more individual, right? 
But ultimately, wouldn't it just be great to not have to do that to, you know, yeah, like yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're on like, you know, Medicaid or if you're on your state insurance or your private insurance or whatever the case may be, that you get equitable care. That if you yeah. choose to go to a medical industrial complex, that's your business, you get paid. But should you choose to opt out and to divest into a low risk labor birth environment by a qualified midwife, like, look, pay, pay and access that mm-hmm. type of care. We got a long way to go. But ultimately, that's what I'd like to see. In the meanwhile, like, how do we get people into the care knowing that they won't be reimbursed? We're going to have to be creative. And, and, you know, do I want to be banging the Internet streets for the rest of my live long midwifery days? No, I don't want to do that. But there's some genuine obstacles in place in terms of accessibility for care. And I'll do whatever I have, whatever I have to do. I'll do whatever it takes, you know, until we get to that place. But in the meanwhile, it's not okay to say, well, this is how it is. In the meanwhile, we still got to get care for people who need it. So whatever, whatever it takes, y'all. Right. Yeah. I hear that. That's why I thought it, it would continue because I know like you're never going to have enough. No. It's always going to be something else um, that's needed as soon as you start even doing the work, right, that you're hoping to do. And I know that you have another obstacle in your way right now, which is that you have to get a CPM. And for those the, for those of us in the birth world, we understand that that's like a backward step for you. Like you're so overqualified. I, I think I'm missing something still. Like what is going on here? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and it doesn't make sense to a lot of people <clears throat> who are in the birth world. Um, first of all, you know, I have to be honest. When people start making these designations between CPMs and CNMs, we start to muddy the water into a conversation that looks more like one that mirrors, you know, um, you know, systems that 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 value credentials over human capability. And I just can't cop to that. Um, And there's a lot of organizations um, that are in control of like those who become CPMs and those who become CNMs. And between those organizations, you know, it's a it's a it's a pissing match, you know, yeah. and, and as a result, the people who are affected are the actual CNMs and CPMs who are just out here trying to provide care. Y'all up here having these infights between, you know, uh, this credentialing body and that credentialing body whole time. Y'all are all, both fucked up because you're both yeah. making it impossible to find equal leverage in midwifery. And that honestly is what needs to occur in every state, not just Alabama. Right. So I'll say that to preface that that was just to preface what I'm going to say now, which is in the state of Alabama, certified professional uh, midwives, which must go through a certain uh, type of midwifery training, are the midwives who can practice out of hospital um, right. as midwives, uh, whereas CNMs do not have the luxury of being able to practice outside of hospitals unless they have secured like a, a collaborating physician. Mm-hmm. Now, it's weird to people in the birth world because you can go down the street to a different state and it would be the exact opposite. OK, whereas CNMs are have the have that privilege and the CPMs do not have that that privilege. OK, and you've got other states where they're illegal, where you don't have any legislation in place. Right. You know, <clears throat> the shit is so flip flopped. When the reality is a midwife is a midwife and it doesn't matter which credentialing body has decided that you're qualified, bitch, you're qualified. Now you got all this infighting going on and then you have a CNM like myself who's come to the state and and, and say, hey, I know you guys have a need seeing that you're the third worst in maternal mortality outcomes in the country. I know you have a need for midwives. 
And so I come here and instead of being able to apply for my midwifery license as I would in neighboring states and start to practice, I must now get another type of credential, a CPM, in order to practice midwifery. Whole time, you know, it's an unnecessary burden and it is one that is absolutely obstructive. And we really don't be, don't have the luxury to have these types of divisive conversations in a state of a maternal mortality crisis when you could just look to your neighbor and say, this is a very smart, wise thing to do to allow access to midwifery care, particularly in marginalized and rural communities, which have difficulty receiving access to care. It's, Um, it's really, it's really insane. And, um, is this, I don't remember the history of it, but a million years ago when I was a doula, I had that itch to become a midwife never happened, but I did like take some additional classes and workshops and go down that path. This was all in New York. And I noticed that there were certified midwives in New York. And a lot of these people had, all the midwives had acronyms of like either CNM, CPM, in addition to the CM. Is that, was that New York solution somewhat to like allowing CNMs to practice outside of hospitals? So the reality of the situation is I'm not too familiar on every different state's legislation because they're all so so fucked up. Not only (laughs) is it fucked up the current, um, I'm going to try and not be fucked up every two seconds, but I'm going to say that. (laughs) But it is, it's like, it it is because um, if it isn't from the origins in which these divisions and um, has has occurred. If you know, every state has their different problems with the current system in place. Okay, so you have some states where you know they've made changes. You got like CPMs which are legal, but licensed midwives who aren't. You got midwives who are you know running under the table. Like it's weird shit going yeah. on. It's weird shit going yeah. on. So I don't know New York's exact solution, but let me tell you, um, no. And New York hasn't exactly found a solution because there are still midwives yeah. who are restricted from practice. So New York ain't there yet. No. And I was just curious, like that just came up for me when you were talking. Cause I know like everyone is so different, but I do know there's a very small amount of States that have, that is like closer to breaking down these systems, but they still have their own issues yeah. with all the barriers and the gatekeeping. And it's, it's terrible. I know that I was, I was pregnant and gave birth once in New York and also in California, both with midwives. And like in California, they wanted me to have parallel care. Mm. So I had a home birth midwife, and then they wanted me to do the same fucking tests again in a hospital setting, like two weeks later. And I said, no, I just came from New York where I had different care, where they trust, they trusted my midwife. And I was like, hell no, I'm not doing both. I have an 18 month old. I can't like do the test twice. I can barely do the test once. I'm going to tell you the biggest problem is what needs to truly be abolished. Cause I'm not really too much into like, well, we'll stick a bandaid here and we'll put a staple right, right, right. there. I believe work. a lot of these systems need to be abolished. And I'm going to tell you what one of them are. It is the system of certif- certifying bodies. First of all, yeah. you've got a lot of people behind these certifying bodies that been there too fucking long and, and frankly, just aren't even ahead of the times. OK, they're not at the current state. They don't functioning from the fucked up mentality of what midwifery was. OK, and they're still perpetuating that shit. So quiet as it's kept, the solution to a lot of these problems is a 
one singular certifying body for midwives. Okay. Yeah. Period. Period. There's nothing that's going to change. We're not doing nothing different. You're not a no. CPM. And then suddenly you don't do an NRP. Okay. You're not a CNM. And then suddenly, you know, you don't like, there's a lot of shit that can be regulated across the board when it comes to certain shit. And I believe that right now, that's probably the greater solution I agree, Stephanie. But what is going to happen? Who is going to be the one who is heading that? You busy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Then we have a new problem that we're going to have to figure out because it's going to be white OBs probably. Well, see, no, see, that's the thing. You're thinking on the wrong level. I already told you. No, I already told you. Please, tell me. Okay, I already told you. We done gathered our community. They fucked around and gave us the internet. Okay, you don't all Okay, okay, to, okay. I hear you. We I'm know, here. We no longer need to abide by the small little circle of people. If this is an international thing, uh, I mean, uh, if this is a national thing, something that needs to go from the coast of Maine to the seaboards of California, why can't I sit in my home in Alabama and y'all sit in your home and wherever else, okay, and gather together the resources? We already have all of the human capital that we should ever need. People who have been doing this work behind the scenes and have, you know, have their strengths and capacities at whatever level and lane they are. You've got people who were working with NARM and people who are working with uh, AMCB and ACNF, like the human capital that is there. They understand that, that working within the confounds is like, we can only do what we can do. Yeah. Bust out that shit. It's fucking time. I'm, you know, what is the, what is stopping us, but us, that's all I'm saying. And, and it doesn't matter necessarily. I'm not saying like all white male OBs, like there might be some of those people on there. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like there are good white male OBs. Let (laughs) me just say that before we get a lot of hate. (laughs) No, I'm just saying like, it needs to be representative of the true real culture of the birth world of what really exists and what is at present these um, exclusionary bodies and all of these organizations that now need to like spew out their apologies of how fucked up they've been for the fast past 40 years. Like, yo, too little, too late. It could be time to just tap out and build our own shit. But you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. So when you say who I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you. Okay. I'm looking at us. I'm not going to, you know, I'm looking at us. Like, what is your strength? That's yeah. one of the things too, is like work to your strengths. You know, you've got people who are videographers. You have people who are editors. You've got people who are, you know, politicians and you've got people like we're all there. The human capital is there, but yet we're, for some reason, we're thinking that we need to let somebody else lead the way. Cause They're we're, so we're stuck that. in the system and like not thinking. Yeah. It's so true. Out. I appreciate that because I think too, and I'll call out my old, elderly age again. <laughs> I'm only 43. Um, it's not that but old. I, like I said, I've been here a long time and I've seen a lot of shit and it's depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I'm counting on younger people too, to, to keep saying over and over how much things need to change and to get, get behind the movement, which is exactly what you're doing. So, yeah. all right, I'm here for it. Sign me up. <laughs> You know, it's there because, you know, as I've traversed this road and one of the things that I like also about like the Internet and specifically Internet activism is you find your people. And I've had folks who are like, yeah, you know, I'm into legislative work. And I'm like, that's great because I would have no idea how to contact the person that I need to contact so that they understand what's going on in the in the greater West Alabama community. And they're like, oh, that's what I do for a living. Well, bitch, that's amazing. That's your leverage. I never even knew how to tap into. But for them, it's second nature. Don't underestimate the power of what it is that you do. That's what I'm saying. So like, 
yeah, it's dope, but it's like it's a whole community and I, I'm not afraid to tap into it. Do you okay. find that you're reaching parents, too? Because I know like, you know, you're in with the birth community and the people that are going to, I believe, make the change. But how are you reaching parents or are they there? And I just don't know it. It's tough for me right now because I'm not able not in the real world, which I think <clears throat> right now, because education is the most important piece of traversing um, pregnancy uh, labor, birth, and the most critical pieces of the postpartum period, I, f I feel that that is like a hands-on approach, something that I need to do as like a midwife. And it's, some, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that requires like time and tension and devotion, as I talked about, like the education and birth space at Birth Sanctuary Gainesville. But at the same time, because I'm unable to like one-on-one -on -one see clients now be due to this legislative restriction, I'm missing out on the piece of all the families that could have impactful, meaningful, um, you know, supportive evidence-based care. Um, you know, I think that there's a space in the future to build like virtual platforms and ability for people to tap into childbirth education led by a midwife, um, led by myself and other team members. Um, but it's not there yet. Uh, you know, I know they're on the internet. I know they're there. And I hope that they tune in on Sundays when I'm talking about specifically traversing these spaces. Um, and I hope they're doing their education and due diligence, like knowing that these conversations are happening. Like I'm going to have these conversations all the time, but some people are just getting in the conversation because they're pregnant. You know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like there's still place to have impact. And on a personal you know, one-to-one -one basis, I haven't been able to dig in as deeply as I want to be frank. Um, and it's yeah. a travesty. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a travesty. It's a, it's a huge barrier. I mean, like people could really, really benefit from that. And it, like you said, like we were talking about earlier, it's a switch that goes off when you become pregnant, have a baby where it's like, you're looking at things and through a different lens. That's what we're trying to do at Born Into This mm -hmm. also. I mean, that's why we created Born Into This as a conference. And, you know, now it's growing into an organization slowly but surely. But we're not <laughs> as good happening. at fundraising as you are. That's <laughs> no. why I'm like, bling, you have it. <laughs> um, but that's what we're also trying to do is just get that education that, that you know, whether it's about sex or your body or just you've got, we've got to start these conversations sooner. And we're also trying to talk to parents, like, yeah. um, you know, about anti-racism with children, like how to have those conversations, like every single thing, like bringing the parents in, because we know, just like, you know, how to talk to birth workers. I feel like I've done that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I also know how to do that, but I felt like there was an eco chamber sometimes. Right. Um, and so it's, it's a different, it's different work to do. Um, but I really have like a passion now to talk to parents, which was why I wanted to see about you as well. Yeah. It's, it's like we've witnessed for years as doulas and, you know, reproductive advocates where it's you, we like, you know, I, the amount of times that I've sat on a couch with a new, you know, a new parent who are there like, how can we change things? How come this happened to me? How, why, like, why was I at this place? Why did I choose this provider? You know, and just processing that with them. That was the thing for us is like, we need to, we need to have these light bulbs go off before, you know, they're even pregnant. And, Absolutely. you know, like, like what Tara was saying, like, you know, like we can gather birth workers and reproductive advocates in a room and we can talk about this till the cows come home and we love it. But how do we open that conversation up to parents before they even know they need to hear it? You know, it's like, how do we enter that space? Um, it's a lot to navigate. I mean, 
It feels it scary. Like you're not even pregnant. That's who I want to reach. And I want to tell you about all the fucked up things that are going to happen. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Like, I get it. <laughs> it's a little intense. <laughs> it's the, one of the hardest things also, because the reality is, like I said, you people don't aren't even thinking about pregnancy. They're not thinking about it. Right. That's why when, you know, Serena Williams, um, and the postpartum period went through her obstetrical emergency. It really shone to light, like, wait a minute, this is really going on. This is, this is what's happening, but it's a, it's a, you know, so that gives people who maybe aren't pregnant or aren't thinking about it, the little glimpse into, Hey, this is what happens. So I do find that it is like a disservice that this isn't always on anyone's mainstream. That's why, like, when you see, like, certain celebrities that are pregnant or they have their baby bump pictures or all these things, that's the only view we get of pregnancy, you know? Right. And it's like, do you have the internet people go and knock on the door like, hi, ma'am, I see you're pregnant. Do you, you know, like, there's not, there's not a good way to capture the people to give a shit about pregnancy until they're pregnant. So where do the pregnant people hang? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. That was the, that was something that came up for me when I was watching was it Homecoming Beyonce's documentary, and like they showed her like after having the babies, like her her having to work out her like hardly eating food to try and like prepare for this performance, and I just could feel I could just see and feel everything that she was experiencing, and I was like, I'm so glad people are seeing this side of like after baby, what really happens, and what does it mean to get back into some sort of rhythm in your life. And it's like, we do, we just don't see a lot of it. It's always like glamorous. Yeah. And our postpartum yeah. care in this country sucks. It's awful. It's oh awful. My goodness. Like, do you know the best thing that I saw over the week? Like it was like, um, it was Hillary Duff in her little pool, having just had her little too. baby. And I was yeah. like, what? That's so beautiful. But I also feel like that's the perfect yes. opportunity. Like, yo, you have such a big platform. Like, I don't I know. know all the people you know, but there's somebody else who's there who's, you know, considering pregnancy and they're going to remember this shit. But you got to speak right. up on it. Like, why the fuck did you do that, Hillary? Why? I know. I know. I had the same feeling. I was like scrolling, looking for the story of how she got that choice. And I was like, it's a black and white photo. They're not showing the blood in the birth pool. I want to see the blood in the birth pool. Like I was like, I want to see all of it because right. it's it's like it normalizes it for people. Make it, uh, people understand like that. Hey, you know, this is a, a an, an ideal option. But then there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's other things besides what you've been told that you can do. And, and there's better outcomes. But like. I don't know. I just feel like I wish pregnancy uh, was just more mainstream. And that's not just I'm a midwife and I breathe this shit like every day. But I just wish yeah. it was something that people gave more a fuck about. That's why this uh, maternal uh, mortality crisis that we're facing in this country, that's why it's been allowed to fester for so long, y'all. It is. Right. It has not been really like a steep, you know, rapid climb this shit has been nice and good and steady nice and good and steady yeah. and like it's unnecessary because had had these outcomes been any other health condition like atrophy of penis or some weird shit <laughs> totally that would have been headline news you know what i mean oh, yeah. but the reasons oh, yeah. why these situations are allowed to perpetuate and is because there just isn't that you know there isn't that voice for you know for the pregnant person really or for the mm -hmm. process of being pregnant it's just not even out there 
So we can cry about it, but we're going to figure some shit out. We are. We are. We are. We're doing it. So how, how can people help? What can, where can people go? What can people do? Where can they put the money? All the things. Tell the people. Right now, um, you know, as we begin, like, the push for more, like, legislative, um, you know, support behind Birth Sanctuary Gainesville, I am really could foresee needing the amplification of people on the Internet. Because a lot of times people, frankly, don't care about this unless there's some sort of ruckus and noise and people know about it. And so I think it's important to you know, keep yourself updated if you care about those types of things on the internet, um, at Dr. Midwife on the Instagram streets or the birth sanctuary on internet streets. And it just pay attention, you know, because there could be times where we're looking for like a collective door knock, like, Hey, this is something you could do. You could sign this petition. You can, you know, help us talk to our legislators. You can, whatever. It's not, I don't fucking know. Right. <laughs> right. And it's, that's one of the things, but from a fiscal standpoint, obviously we're in the middle of, of fundraising for the outfitting and physical structure of like birth sanctuary Gainesville. And as I said, those funding needs will certainly shift in the near future as construction comes to an end and shift more on providing midwifery services and access to care. But for right now, the primary um, collection platform is GoFundMe, like um, Birth Sanctuary Gainesville. Google that shit, like Google it, you know, commit to, you know, leveraging whatever, whatever it is that you can. Um, right now, we had um, put together a, um, a campaign for small incremental amounts of $12 a month for three months. That's a $36 commitment. 1233, 1233, right? Yes. And when you do that, like it's just a small commitment to help us get over the fundraising piece of it. It's tangible. It's easy to do uh, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is that can, whatever it is that we can do. Um, And $12 was not arbitrary also, $12 um, because I'm very like spiritual and I like signs and numbers, numerology and significance. But Mm -hmm. um, when a birth sanctuary Gainesville comes to fruition, it will be the 12th black owned freestanding birth center in the United States. It'll be the first freestanding birth center in the state of Alabama. And so that is like, that's a cool thing too. If y'all like that type of shit. So, um, yeah, that's where you can find me on the internet, on the GoFundMe. You can Google, well, our website will pop up. And, you know, I can't wait to start taking clients and like doing all that real good shit once all of the other foolishness is out of the way. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, we can't wait either. And thank you so much for chatting with us today. Before we go, though, we like to play a game with people. It's not that it's not that intense or, or scary, but we roll. We like spin a wheel. It lands on a question, and then you have to answer the question. Love it. Are you games to play? Games to play the game? Yes. Okay. When was the first time you had sex, and what did you wish you knew? You don't have to tell us exactly when, but, like, thinking back to that moment. (laughs) I wish I knew that it was okay to have sex. When people know that it's okay to have sex, 
that this is something that is an okay choice for their body, then they go about that in the most responsible way. And like, I wish I knew that like, this is okay. You can have sex if you want to. So um, I've carried that lesson on into my life and into my parenting and into that. Like sex is not a shameful thing. It's not a dirty thing. It is something to be enjoyed um, and should be, you know, either mutually beneficial or independently beneficial or at least the effort to be mutually beneficial no a for effort a for effort but like that's what i you know that's what it is yes were you um were you brought up with that belief like that's what you were told as a younger person oh absolutely absolutely and sometimes when you have you know a really significant like purity culture inbred into what you are taught is to be appropriate like that shit takes a lot of work to undo but before you undo that you um go through a period of time of like shame and disgust wow. and like almost a, also a period of ignorance because it is, it is also of what you are not told and that mm-hmm. is detrimental so you know that's a little like piece of my history but i take all of these things move forward and like well guess what a bitch will not perpetuate generational harm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That pleasure piece is so important. It I love is it. important. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for playing the reproduction <laughs> wheel. <laughs> we, yeah, we do need to come up with like a really catchy phrase for this game. Reproductive wheel. Uh, thank you again for being with us. It was so nice to talk to you. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. See you on the internet streets. See you on See the you internet there. streets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're interested in learning more about these topics, be sure to head to our shop and grab our book, Born Into This, A Creative Guide to Reproductive Health. You can find all of this and more information about Born Into This at bornintothis.co.